0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Mr. Good
1: morning.
0: Thank you so much. That greeting just drips with sarcasm more and more every week. Good morning, Mr. Conn. I miss this guy. <coughs> well, it's funny how, how we all pick up habits. Every Saturday morning after breakfast, when we go sit down in the living room, Levi immediately says, Here we are, Saturday morning, in the bucolic splendor of Ottawa, Kansas. You you indeed reap what you sow. I came here when I was 16 and uh, would pick out these amusing things that Ron said. There's plenty to choose from. And, uh, uh, or he would just use a really interesting word. Like he was talking about leprosy once and he said something about that. He's like, I cannot think of any worse malady than. And I thought, that's a great word, malady. Nobody uses that word anymore. And uh, um, <clears throat> so we, uh, Mike and I gave him a hard time about it. And uh, so then later on he was talking about something else. And he said, I cannot think of any worse, kind of looked at us, malady been having teenagers repeat everything you say. <laughs> and so, I have indeed reaped what I've sown. My children use words like masticate and imbibe and uh, bucolic, because they're all words that I use. So, <clears throat> go figure. <laughs> well, Jesus, we thank you for. Uh, Meeting with us in this place, we thank you for this place to come and gather with the saints. God, it's like it's like Thanksgiving and Christmas every time we get together, <clears throat> God to receive what you have for us. And God, today, what we pray is that you would open your word to us God, and that you would break that bread, God, and that you would uh, open our hearts to receive. God, break up the fallow ground, God, and. I pray for every, uh, every heart that, that would come in um, distracted by the, the things that, that we have going on in our own lives and, and thinking about yesterday, thinking about tomorrow. God, yeah. that <clears throat> all of those things would be put aside. God, you know, that we could focus on what it is that you're saying today. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I am amen. totally going to steal one of these. Thou shalt not steal. Um, Go with me to Philippians uh, chapter (coughs) 2. I apologize in advance for the many times I'm going to do that this morning. So, this is quite a familiar thing that we're going to talk about this morning. Um, You know, Wednesday, Ron was talking about uh, surrender and coming into that place of just putting things down. And uh, it's an interesting thing. You know, when you read about Gethsemane, it's, it's funny how we all know that story so well. We're all familiar with... Jesus you know uh being sorrowful and and, uh, and feeling all this weight and, and going off to pray, and you wouldn't think that he would feel that way you know it's like you see Jesus right, but if he feels that way, if his flesh felt that way if his emotions felt battered and weighed down like that, then we could expect to feel that same way I think, and uh <clears throat> he um, you know, he came into that place of, you know, it's an interesting statement that he said. He's like, what should I say? Save me from this hour, but for this very cause I came to this hour. It's like this is the whole reason I'm here. And, and so uh, it's an interesting thing to think. It's like this is what I'm here for. You know, and there's a whole world of people out there thinking, what am I here for? What What's the purpose of life? I was talking to my uncle yesterday, and <clears throat> he was a very, uh, you know, a guy that really liked to live life and have fun, and uh, like to, never like to sit still, he liked to work hard, play hard. Uh, he used to bench press uh, 400 pounds, and, uh, and he was just a fun guy. They would come out to visit from Wyoming every year, and he would take me and my cousin's like six or seven of us all the worlds of fun with just him and his wife keep track of all of us and uh no no mean feet i assure you and uh but he he worked in a coal mine and it destroyed his health i mean he's in his early 60s and he carries a little backpack with the oxygen thing and walks with a cane and uh he can't really get up and do much of anything now and it drives him crazy. I could totally identify with him. Well, to some degree, but uh, you know, we were uh talking about that sense of uh uh what am I here for and and that kind of thing and he said he kind of had this low moment uh after he uh when he got to that point where he really couldn't work anymore, he had, he had to retire for his health and, and all that stuff. And standing in the Walmart trying to figure out that these towels match this thing uh, for the, the kitchen or whatever, his wife told him, hey, get some towels for the kitchen. I'm like, is this all there is to my life now? And uh, um, and it's interesting because he's a very upbeat person and he's with, he's standing in line with this woman young lady with a couple of kids and, and you could tell she was just had you know had it up to here and uh, and she got to talking about is this really all there is to life you know and he's like, well you know I was just thinking the same thing he's like it happens to everybody and uh and he's just he's a really funny guy I wish I could explain how he this conversation that he had with her it was really funny but uh um and they both went away feeling better. So there's there's something about knowing that you're not the only one that always makes things seem a little better. But at the same time, we all come to these places just like Jesus did where you go through it alone. You're alone but not alone. It's like, yeah, we're all alone together. <laughs> so... But it's a precious thing to, to know that somebody's there or to know that somebody, you know, even if they're not there... Right next to you, knowing that they're they're with you, they're beside you, uh, and they're on your team. You know, knowing that you could call somebody is a, is a really grand thing. <clears throat> so surrender then is, is an interesting concept because it implies that you don't want to give up, or that you would rather not give up, but you are kind of out of options now, and so. I think that's the difference between submission and surrender. Submission means you willingly uh, give up or uh, acquiesce to the pressure being placed on you because you would choose to. When you surrender, you're kind of out of options. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> but the thing is, is even still what God requires of us in surrender still requires a sense of um, agreeing. With him, and, and 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 submitting to him, uh, because he's not going to make you surrender. You know, the uh, the allies pretty much forced Germany to surrender in World War II. They were out of options, but um, the God doesn't doesn't place you quite in that spot. But He knows how to push your buttons and get you to a place where uh, you you personally are, are out true. of options and and everybody else at church is going to look at you like uh okay what's the big deal I don't I don't get it but you're sweating great drops of blood when you go home and and uh but it's an interesting thing because we don't go through those places alone in the sense that that he's with us um but you have to accept that by faith because it doesn't feel like he always is i was telling Rowan recently that uh the things that I was dealing with would seem so much better if I just felt like He was there. <laughs> it's like, well, He is there. And uh, that was uh, last Wednesday when you we started out talking about not feeling like God was there. Uh, and so you just reach over and grab your Bible. It's like, oh, there He is. you know. And because it's not about how you feel so much as <clears throat> knowing that He's there. It's easy to say that when you feel good. It's not so easy when, when you, you just wish that you feel, could feel better. So in Philippians 2, we'll start in the beginning. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, <clears throat> which of course there would be all those things there. I like how he says, if there is any of these things, and of course these are uh, some of the most obvious things, consolation in Christ, of course it's there. So he's qualifying this statement with, um, you know, <clears throat> it's like if the sun comes up in the east, then fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And and so, uh, you know, here is another great great first that the, that the church needs to <clears throat> answer to because, oh, well, we'll just agree to disagree and, and all that stuff. That, the first time I heard that, I thought, what? Dude, what does that even mean? To quote uh, a brother. But um, agree to disagree. It's like, um, I was thinking, is that like a scale? I'm somewhere between agreeing and disagreeing or... You know, and, and I like it when people throw that out because I've actually been in in the room when people were like, "Can't we just agree to disagree?" Which is is a is like this high high-minded way of saying you're stupid and I'm right, but I cannot clearly I clearly cannot convince you of it. So I'm done talking about this. <laughs> um, and sometimes that's profitable to just quit talking about it, but. <clears throat> But I I remember this one time somebody, well can't we just agree to disagree? And the person whom I would have sided with uh said no, we can't. I can't just agree to disagree because God demanded unity and there's one truth and and either you believe that or you believe a lie. And it's that simple. It was a little you, you could have cut the tension with a knife. It was interesting. But of course then it all moved on and Everybody put on their plastic faces, and we pretended to have a good time, <clears throat> as the church does and and congratulates themselves that no blood was shed literally, but uh he says, Fulfill in my joy that you be like minded having the same love, being of one accord, and of one mind, <clears throat> so being like minded then was a grand thing, <clears throat> and he's in uh you know it's it's funny because you know everybody's different, and everybody thinks differently um, these These last few months for me have really highlighted how much differently I think than Mike thinks, and it's like I kind of thought we had like this like mind meld thing going, and we kind of do, but <clears throat> he's way less neurotic about dealing with people than I am, and so this uh sense of wow. Like the way he looks at something, the way I look at something is very different um, so how how then would I become like minded with somebody else how could we you know because it's it's easy to agree with somebody if you just agree with them uh, right out of the box uh, i I read an interesting quote once this guy said, "Have you ever noticed that we uh, we gauge someone else's intelligence?" On how closely their tastes match up with our own their thinking matches up with our own because if they agree with us they must be a
1: genius (laughs) and if they
0: don't agree with us they must be stupid And, uh, uh, and it was a secular book it was a fiction book but I was and I read it when I was in high school but I I've never forgotten that and I thought wow that's really insightful because we really do think that people that don't agree with us are stupid. Because why wouldn't you agree with me? Um, but he says uh, that we should be like-minded, and that, that his expectation is that we should be and be of one accord, being which is being in agreement, <clears throat> having the same purpose, and of one mind. So it's like, so how would we all get the same mind then? Of course, he's going to talk about that, and you all know where I'm going with that. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem another better than themselves. Oh, thank you, Bill. Oh, that's awesome. So, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem another better than themselves. And I think how easy that is kind of depends on how you see yourself. You know, if if you if you think you're the bee's knees, it may not be so easy to esteem others better than yourself, but if you see yourself as less than, I think it's a little easier to esteem others better than yourself, and I think that there's really kind of uh, a happy medium there that can be difficult to find. You know, uh, when I was in school, self-esteem was the big thing, and, and I always... Kind of uh, snickered at it, turned my nose up at it', it like self esteem you know, in fact, we had this class it was a required they 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 called it freshman orientation, this class that you had to take, they called it pace, personal attitude or positive attitude and self esteem and and it was kind of a i don't even know how you would summarize this class because it was kind of a <laughs> yes <laughs> awful. It was kind of a bit of everything, really. And very touchy feely. Um uh, I was uh a heathen at the time. But one day in class I said, "You know, maybe there's no actual place called hell. Maybe you just take this class for eternity."
1: <laughs>
0: and uh the the teacher's like, "Do you not are, are you not enjoying this class?" I was like, "No." No, I'm not. I'm here because I have to be. So, and you all know me well enough to know I've not changed in some ways <laughs> over the years. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, this is a difficult subject to talk about without seeming whiny, but it's like I grew up with a very low sense of self-esteem. And uh, I think everybody gets a great deal of that as they grow up from the input that they get. You know, it, it's difficult to, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what everybody says really affects me, you know. And so, um, you know, and you can you can say that words will never hurt me all you want, but they do. And so, uh, <clears throat> you know, and it's funny because by the time you become an adult, it still affects you, but your, your uh, default sense of how you see yourself is more or less set. I was I was talking with somebody the other day about how every time I go to pick out an outfit, I have this mental image of what I'm going to look like in the outfit, and I always look like like Bobby. And then I go and put it on, and I look in the mirror, and I think, Oh yeah, I look like me. You know, and uh, and it's funny because we all have that emotionally about ourselves. It's like I see myself as this, and then it's interesting when you find out what other people think about you, the way that other people see you. And, uh, so, so having a sense of esteeming other people better than yourself can be, it could be challenging or it could be really easy. Uh, but, but it comes down to, this is what I think about self-esteem. Um, regardless of what you think about yourself as a person, whether you like yourself or not, and I think you should, is, uh. Uh, God placed enough value on you that that he came and died in the place. And so that that kind of trumps, well, it doesn't kind of, that totally trumps everything that everybody else has ever said to you, everything else that you've ever thought about yourself. All those things um, pale in comparison to that. That is the rubber, not the glue. And so all that stuff bounces off of you. So I have kids in elementary school. I am well versed in all of these little little things. Oh, it's glorious! You know, it's funny. I came to church Friday night. I felt great, and then between the time that I got here to the time that Ron asked me to sing some songs, I kind of like started turning into Wolf, uh, Wolfman Jack. <laughs> so, I was like, hey, you want to sing some songs? I'd love to. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So again, he's talking about focusing on on other people, and uh, not on your own things. And you know, it's it's. Uh, and I think we all do this. You know, when we pray for somebody, you ever kind of stop and think, "What about me? How this, does this apply to me?" And um, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's probably a good idea to check yourself by those things. But then, you know, you should be able to come pretty quickly to the conclusion: yes, that would apply to me too, or no, it wouldn't, and and, and move on. But focusing on the needs of other people, uh, you know, is what Jesus did. You know, and uh, <laughs> somebody called me the other day uh, to ask me about something they had going on. And so I talked to him about it, and and it was great because I was having this horrible, horrible day. And uh, I talked to him about this stuff, and and it was great how not big of a deal it seemed like to me because it wasn't me, and uh, (laughs) and just to be perfectly honest. And uh, talked him through the stuff. I was like, man, it's really great to talk to somebody else about their problems for a while. (laughs) And then I proceeded to tell him a few of mine. And I'm like, okay, suddenly feeling less confident in everything you just told me. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, you know we, all, we all have those things. But looking to, you know, esteeming other people better than ourselves, uh, putting other people's needs first. You know, because that's what love is. Love, love puts other people first. And <clears throat> sometimes it requires a conscious decision that would go against what you might like at the moment. Um but if you train yourself to to do to show love when you don't feel it then it then it opens the door for God to put that feeling in there and because love is is a choice i mean it's it it's certainly a mushy gooey feeling, but it's it's more than that it's a choice and it and the the choice is what holds you after the ooey gooey thing kind of dies off and so um, and sometimes, you know, you can love somebody and not necessarily feel ooey-gooey towards them. You know, like, I, I don't feel ooey-gooey about everybody at church, but I love everybody at church. You know, and I I think to myself, man, I'm looking forward to going to church because everybody's going to be there. And I'm not going to be sitting at my desk staring at this blue wall in my computer all day. It's like, this is going to be grand. Mike needed me to... Uh, Run some stuff out to him, and I was like, Yes! (laughs)
1: You know, it was this
0: beautiful day. The skies were blue. There was this little breeze blowing. I mean, perfect, perfect fall day. Fall is my favorite time of year, and I'm stuck inside all day long. And uh, I thought, Man, this is so great. It's like, I couldn't hardly drag myself away. It's like, This is so much fun hanging out with the guys. (laughs) You know, <clears throat> you know, talking about how they all have beards and I don't, and that's why I don't get to play. <laughs> so that was fun. <clears throat> um, but you know, putting other needs, others' needs first is an important thing. And so, so, so here, God is kind of got us in this place where it's like, okay, so how am I supposed to do all that? Where how do I get there? How do I accomplish? that because, you know, it's like, because Levi likes barbecue sauce and I hate it. So how are we supposed to be in the same mind and the same accord here? (laughs) I swear. And, And I don't hate all barbecue sauce. Let me just be clear about that. There is this kind that we buy because he loves it and it really grosses me out. There are some I've had that I actually really enjoyed. So just to be clear. Because I know I'm famous for not liking barbecue, but <clears throat> so let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So that would be the thing, wouldn't it? That would be how everybody would get the same mind by not not by you know, hog tying your brain and getting everybody into the same frame of mind, but letting His mind come in and and dictate the way you think uh, and. And that's so much better than a book of rules on the outside. Like, do this. Don't do this. <sighs> Cynthia was telling me about uh, somebody that she knew that they, they believed it was fine to watch movies at home, but you could not go to the theater because it was sinful to go to the theater. I I, I mean, I I used every search engine and every concordance <laughs> I could get my hands on. I was looking for that verse that said, I'll shout, surely not go to the theater. But thou mayest take the movie back to thy tabernacle and and there watch it blameless. Like, I could not find it. Um, but, I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, who doesn't like to go to the movies? But, uh... <clears throat> oh, I really wanted to tease those people about it, but I didn't think it'd be a good idea. Mm. Anyway, so let this mind be in you. Then if you all have that same mind, you know, we hired this guy, Dustin. I love that guy. He's solid gold. He shows up to work and he works hard. I wish that you could just plug my brain into his brain and him know everything that I know and have his, his hands know how to do what my hands know how to do because that would be glorious. And that's what God's talking about. It's like if you've ever seen The Matrix, I'm sorry. <clears throat> then you know he they plug his brain in, and wow. he just I know kung fu, you know. And it's like if learning things were only that easy, but um, but that's what God's talking about here. Let me put my mind in you, and and it's it'll be a little more gradual than that, but. Uh, I can begin to dictate what you think. You'll begin to think like me uh, because you've got me in there. So who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So so that's what his mind was on. That was what his, where his mind took him. And he's saying, let me put that mind in you. So self kind of has to go by the wayside. Um, I, I, I made a note in my Bible next to this because it wasn't in the margins uh, for Luke 9.23. He said that if any man would come after me, let him take up his cross daily, yeah. deny himself and follow me. So <clears throat> that's what he did. It's it's the sense of, of full surrender to him and and letting his mind do those things in us. <clears throat> this is actually not even where I was going to talk about today. I'm not even there yet. So, yay. Wherefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. I, I told Cynthia what I was going to talk about. It took about three minutes. I was like, yeah, now I only have to stretch it out to like 45 tomorrow. Like, oh, you'll be fine. You like to talk. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. She did not say that. <laughs> You just give me enough coffee and you can't shut me up. <laughs> Wherefore God has also highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I like that. <laughs> now here's where I was going. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I've always found that verse to be somewhat um, problematic, nerve-wracking. We work out my own salvation. Uh, It's like I thought I wasn't supposed to do that. (laughs) And uh, and this, this word... Translated, work out. Uh, it means to perform something, to do something, to accomplish something, to achieve something. Um, but it it means to do it with the uh, intention of getting a specific result out of it. So. So he's saying, you know, put in, instead of putting your energy towards wringing your hands and 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 all this stuff, <coughs> put your efforts excuse me towards um, towards doing those things that God would have you to do, getting yourself in those places where where God uh can do stuff in your life because God will do things in your life and through your life, and everybody will stare at you like that was awesome and and you'll be kind of looking around like what who what I wasn't me, you know it's like Peter. You know he said he, i i liked how he addressed the people when when they healed the layman. he said, Why are you looking at us like this had something to do with us i didn't I didn't do anything like this was jesus you you remember jesus right the the, the guy you didn't like him and, and killed him yeah that guy and uh and Peter really encourages me because he was such a neurotic ball of fear and terror and um and yet and yet God uh used him and and when and you I mean when you read him his speech on the day of Pentecost it's like that is a different guy so uh I'm blessed that God knows how to do that kind of stuff but he says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and this is an interesting thing because this word fear is where we get the word phobia so this is like Unreasoning terror, in fact. Um, uh, so I thought, wow, that's really strange that he would put it there. But as you, when you study this word, it, it's also used throughout the, uh, the New Testament for, uh, and it's translated fear, but the context is reverence. And so, uh, and, and I like that because reverence certainly has an aspect of fear to it. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, I uh, I I told you this before. I had a few times where I had to leave work to come home and and have a um, a meeting, as it were, with Levi. And uh, um, I I did some sign language with him, some full contact sign language, and um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all right. but it. It created this sense of fear, this unreasoning terror—well, reasonable terror—but but it brought this sense of reverence. When the next time uh, he was pushing the boundaries of what was acceptable behavior with his mother, then she could pull out the dad card, and suddenly, with fear and trembling, Levi came into line with what he knew was right. And uh, and so even now we still have those moments like is that how you talk to your mother? No, my bad. So um, uh, so there's this sense of uh, I, and I, I think it's really interesting that that he uses fear in talking about having an attitude of reverence toward God because because he is so loving and he's so personable that but at the same time he's the God of the universe. And and so um, there sh- there has to be this sense of of reverence that, that you have towards him, <clears throat> and um, and I, I think the uh, the uh, idea of revering your parents, fearing your parents, is a really great um, illustration of that, because you love them and you know they love you, but you know that there is this line that you must not cross, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and uh, in Proverbs, he says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, uh, in fact, uh, in the margin, I believe it says it is the principal part of wisdom. So this is kind of the key ingredient then of wisdom, be fearing the Lord. Not, not necessarily unreasoning terror because, you know, if you loved somebody, it would, uh, it would break your heart that they had unreasoning terror in your presence. But at the same time, you know, I think John is a great example because he laid on Jesus's breast, and then when he saw him as he really was, then you know I think there was certainly some fear and trembling there in the in the way that he he felt because um, there's there's several places throughout the Bible where people had these encounters with God, um, people who seem to really have all their duckies in a row, you wouldn't expect them to Um, being nervous in the presence of God, and they're they're saying, you know, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, I'm undone, and all this kind of stuff. So, um, uh, a little bit of healthy fear is a good thing. But he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And this word trembling, uh, it it appears, I don't know, five or six times uh, in the New Testament, alongside this word fear every time. So there's a sense of reverence and there's this sense of trembling. And, and it, uh, you know, obviously it denotes fear. But there's this sense with it of, um, uh, the, the way the lexicon put it was really great. It talked about distrusting your own ability to, uh, but, uh, to meet the requirements of something, but having with it a determination to, uh, to press forward. Uh, and isn't that what we do uh, when God asks us to do something? You move forward, knowing that uh, you know I I, uh, I can't necessarily get all of this stuff done, or I don't know how to do this, or you know Noah. I'm sure that whole time he was putting the boat together was probably thinking, how am I going to get all the animals? How am I going to get them here? How am I going to fit them on here? and uh but he he pressed forward with the first thing that God told him to do and and he did it and and it's great how God will give you something that you could do and then and then yeah. you get started on that and it's like oh and by the way there's this too and uh you know and before before you know it you find out that you're just looking to him to do it not you so um keep your finger there But uh, go with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And here's this uh, same little, uh, same duo of words here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, Declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in the demonstration of the Spirit and in in power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of, God, of men but in the power of God. So, you wouldn't think of Paul as... Uh, going anywhere with fear and trembling but clearly he did because he tells you that he did and and he also when you read through the book of acts uh he was he was somewhere and he was obviously anxious about his safety because god came to him and he said you don't need to be afraid i have a lot of people in this city nobody's going to hurt you and so um you know if, if paul got nervous and uh, and distrusted his ability to follow through and do the things that God had him do, uh, I think there's a great deal of comfort in that for all of us. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's the poster child for the salvation of God. And, um, I don't know, it's every time I think about Paul, it's like you'd think if God would have made anybody a greasy spot on the road to Damascus, it would have been that guy. <laughs> oh, and And... Instead, you know, uh, if you are, uh, you know, if you have something moving very fast, it doesn't take much to just kind of change its direction a little bit. It's very, very little. And uh, <coughs> so, you know, it's amazing because he was going 100 miles an hour this way, and somehow, you know, God got into doing Yui and go 100 miles an hour the other way. You know, it's like, like when the kids go down the stairs and they grab the new old post and kinda of... around it. I may still do that occasionally. <clears throat> so but he said that I was with you in weakness and fear, much trembling. So so he he didn't have this sense of I got this. And that's kind of the sense that you get when you read about Paul. That that he that he had it all together and that he wasn't worried about anything. Um but uh, he has this kind of candid moment where he says, "I was with you in weakness, fear, trembling. And he said, and the whole the whole reason that I'm telling you that is because I want you to understand that the things that God did was because it was because God did it, not me. It wasn't because I was a great speaker, it wasn't because uh, I had some some mighty power. it was because of the power of God. And so <clears throat> so over here in Philippians, he talks about this working out your salvation with fear and trembling and uh so so uh, making sure that your life is in this place of doing the things that God would have you do uh, with with reverence and this expectation of. Uh, I'm going to do what I can do and I'm going to trust God for the results. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I love it because to me verse 12 feels like you've got your hand up behind your back and and your elbow is going to come apart but and you're about to say uncle but then he says for it is God that works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. And uh I really like the way the derby says this. Because it says, it's God which is working in you, the willing and the working of His good pleasure. No, do uh, you ever have God talk about uh, what He wants out of your life and it just kind of makes you anxious? You just think, I need to get a bottle of Tums, you know? I don't I don't know how many times I, I would talk with Ron late into the night when I was a teenager. I'd be talking to him about something and he'd just get up, come over here and get a bottle of Tums. And the whole time he's like, mm mm-hmm, Yep. Mm. He's popping Tom's like, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> like,
0: I always kind of took it to mean that my problems made him anxious, but I, I don't think they did. <clears throat> uh, but he says, it's God that works in you, the willing and the working. You know, because uh, I, I was telling somebody recently, you know, I don't feel so much like I'm being led somewhere as I'm being herded somewhere. And... <laughs> um, um, uh, you know, there's nothing quite like, you know, and, I mean, you've all seen those things where they put the cattle through them and it gets narrower and narrower and, uh, you know, God knows how to do the, in your life and get you into this box canyon kind of place where there's really no way out, but his way out, which is great. It's uncomfortable, but it's great. <clears throat> um. But I, I took a great amount of comfort in this because he says that God puts, He works the willing in you. Because it's like, you know, I, it's like, well, I'm not so much worried about God letting me down as I'm worried about me letting Him down, and uh, and Him wanting me to do something and me being too afraid to do it or not willing to do it or or whatever. But it says that God works in you, the willing and the working of His good pleasure. So. So both the the willingness and the follow-through uh, comes from having that mind in you. Because, you know, <clears throat> I'm sure when Jesus received that revelation that, that he was a sacrifice, probably kind of disconcerting, but I would imagine that he probably came to a sense of peace about that and, and was okay with that when he was like 20. You know, and then then he's now he's 33 now it's time and and I'm sure then I mean you see his flesh thinking um uh can we have a do over or something I I'd really rather not now I've changed my mind you know and it's great how God gets you in places where by the time you decide you don't want to do this it's too late it's like having a baby like I don't want to do this it's too late <laughs> so um but he puts in that willingness, uh, which is a, is a grand thing because, um, you know, nobody, everybody would like to do their own thing. Everybody would like to have their life be comfortable. And, you know, I remember one time Ron telling me that, uh, like, you know, I'd, what I'd really like is to be out on my, I'd like to retire. Be out on my deck grilling steaks in the evening and just having a nice quiet life but I'm going to Africa because God sent me there. And uh, so that's uh, a great uh, role model, great uh, example for all of us um, because we would all like
1: to have those
0: comfortable, easy things, especially growing up uh, in nice, comfortable Midwest. I mean, it doesn't get much more Western, comfortable Western culture than here in the Midwest. So... Um, you know, uh, to have God say, actually, I, I have something that's going to be more uncomfortable for your flesh than that in mind. Uh, but you're going to be glad you did. So uh, just trust me on this. This is going to work out all right. I know how to put the willing in the working. Like, all you have to do is let me let me in your mind. You know, let me in your heart. and Let me start changing the way you think because love would take you where uh, duty would never take you and uh and and to me, that's an astounding thought because you see the things that that uh, soldiers do because somebody that's in charge told them to it's like you know that you are almost certainly going to die and yet uh uh you don't use, you don't see it as optional you know and 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 that's what God is after is well he told me that I have to do this, so. I'm not going to tell him no, but I don't know how I would do this. I don't know how I would get to this place. But God, it's God that does the willing and the working. And He performs those things in our life. So Jesus, we thank You for uh, Your goodness to us and Your love. And what we pray today is that You would put in us that willing and that working of Your good pleasure. God, that You would put in us that mind which was also in You. God, that we would... uh, count it all joy uh, to, to face any difficulty for you. God, as the disciples of old, God, they prayed for boldness and they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for your name. God, into our comfortable, insulated culture, uh, God, that, that seems like a, a terrible, frightening thing. God, but at the same time, uh, your love knows how to take us beyond those places. And God, what we want is to have that love for you Grow. God, you, you started out that passage talking about putting others before yourself because that's what love is. And God, we pray that you would put that in us for you. God to put you first above all things. God to to put you first, <clears throat> to do those things that you'd have us to do and leave the results to you. God, because you're the God that gets these things done. God, any any power or ability that we have is is from you. And so we trust you for these things. Now, God, today I just pray that you would touch every heart. uh, Encourage uh, every mind. God, I pray that uh, in this place today, God, the the rain would fall. God, that that nobody would have out their umbrellas, God, but that we would all have every bucket and and vessel we could find uh, to fill it up. And, And, God, what we want today is to... Uh, to worship you and to, to praise you and thank you for all that you have done for us. God, and to, to thank you in advance for what you're getting ready to do in our lives. And God, we just pray that today uh, you would feed us with that manna from heaven. God, we pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.